live from Columbus, Ohio, it's the Zone of Truth. This week on the show, Griff and I welcome on a special guest to talk shop for our upcoming Curse of the Crimson Throne adventure run, play a round of No Yo Macro, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in, in the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth. We're back. Yeah, we're back, baby. We are live. Oh, third time's a charm on these live shows, right? I think so, too. All right, perfect. Yeah. Then we're living a charmed life right now. A semi-charm kind of life. I don't know. I was just yes-anding you there. I thought I thought okay, there was something I, yeah, there. I, I didn't know where I was going to go I, with semi. Right. I know, but... I'm semi-hard under this table. Is that... I can good, tell, yeah. Is that a good segue those pants hug you quite well Yeah, they do they're, yeah they're denim's doing you a lot of favors real crotch huggers yeah absolutely um let's get into it man what are you drinking today i am drinking from evil genius uh i had two of these i don't know who needs to hear this but cancel that free trial before they charge your card and it got me thinking okay and i don't know i had to check if i if i canceled my my CVS all access for the Super Bowl. Oh, no. <laughs> I had to see if I canceled that. They, they brainwashed me with all the commercials. It's turned it into turn it into um, Paramount all access or Paramount whatever. Plus. Paramount Plus. Oh, wow. God. I might have a Paramount Plus account. Jesus. Uh, I'm terrified. I gotta, I gotta look at my credit card. All right, guys, we're putting the stream on hold for 15 minutes. <laughs> we got some stuff to take care of. Um, as for myself, I'm drinking in. Apple Cinnamon Vive. How about that? That's exciting. Is that from a new pack? It, it was just Apple Cinnamons. There were six of them. Well, sixer. Six pack of Apple Cinnamon. And That's it was so the, strange. And it was the only one of them at the grocery store. There was just one solitary six well, pack. Well, they pulled, them, they pulled them out of the back from fall. They were like, oh shit, we were yeah. supposed to sell this. They were, it was, this six is months the ago. pack that probably like fell behind the racking or something in the stock room. Wouldn't be surprised. Let's go ahead and get the Sirenscape pumping because we got just a very short hair of housekeeping to take care of. And then we're going to go ahead and introduce our very special guest. Um, so right away, we're going to be listening to something from um, a, a sound set on Sirenscape called Infection, which comes from the Curse of the Crimson Throne sound sets. Um, I thought that was appropriate to the sound set, I think. Cool. Um, is it, yeah, is there a book that begins with the acronym SDG? Yes. Okay. Well then, yeah, that seven is seven days to the grave confirmed. Ooh, Matumbe would like that. Um, <laughs> but this, this one's called trails End. how fun. Pretty, uh, pretty, pretty upbeat for being seven days away from the grave. If you ask me, she's a bop. Did you, uh, did you check to see if it loops? It sure does. All That's right. what I did this morning. Hair of housekeeping. You folks have already heard it if you've listened to our most recent episode in the intro, but I just want to reiterate that this squad is going to be on um, this upcoming Wednesday's uh, Super Smash Finder exhibition match. We're going to be facing our peers in the Dice Fall and Everyone Dies podcast. It's going to be super exciting. We'll see you there 8 p.m. 
Eastern, twitch.tv slash Super Smash Finder. But what's going to be really cool about that show is that you're going to be seeing this gentleman sitting right here to my right, live in studio. You may know him as Krusty Crust on the Discord, Romir from Pavlos and Pals, and most recently, Godfrey Leafbottom on the first installment of the Linked Legacy podcast. Welcome to the show, Chris. Yes, and hi, everyone. <laughs> I am very excited. Uh, very grateful to be here for this. Uh, this is a very special Zot for me. Yeah, this is. This Zot's uh, kind of about you. Yeah. But speaking of you, what are you drinking? I have a delicious lager from uh, Single Cut called Peace in the Valley Rustic Lager. How are their lagers? I know you like their IPAs. The IPAs are good, and the lagers are just as good. Okay, uh, really, awesome. anything this group puts out, I will put into myself and l- enjoy it. That's uh, that's a great endorsement of Single Cut. Yep. yep I think it. I remember having like a, a porter or stout from them that was like chocolatey. I can't remember. There's like a cowbell on the on the uh, on the can. I remember that, and it was oh boy, so good. Really excellent. Let's just get into it, folks. As we are known to do, let's just talk about what we've been getting into over the last week. Does anybody want to start here? I can start us off. Sure. I stumbled into an anime. It's a Netflix original. Okay. I'm listening. It's one of it's one of the worst animes I've ever watched. <laughs> oh, no. And it's it's comically bad. It's so tropey and so horrible mm-hmm. that it makes you laugh. It's called the Dune Chronicles and holy shit is it just like alright hit me with the premise man I'm, I I'm can't suspense even, it was 60 minutes of exposition of just fantasy names it was like if you were uh, an 8 year old trying to read Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. where all the names are just fantasy names and none of it makes sense and none of it ties to anything but essentially there's like a resistance movement which I still don't really know what it's about sure uh and, and there's an alternate world where there's magic, and some people on our world are from there. Sounds really They escape good. from there. And then, like, season two, it just nosedives into hardcore romance. Well, <laughs> count me in. <laughs> and it just, it, it got wild. Uh, but there's, like, there's legendary weapons and magic and, uh, and unicorns and dragons and snake creatures and... It's really bad. <laughs> it's really, really bad. But uh, worth at least getting confused by, I think. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, in addition to that, I, uh, I've been listening to a band called Throne of Iron. Uh, much like Bog Wizard that I talked about last Zone of Truth, Throne of Iron is a band that's more... They almost sound like... A, um, they must sound like Ozzy Osbourne a little bit. Oh, I'm kind of uh, into the, that. The band kind of, sure. it doesn't quite sound like Black Sabbath, but it sounds more like Ozzy Osbourne on his solo stuff. And, uh, but they're all about D&D too. The start of one of their songs is, uh, is like this booming voice. It's like, roll for initiative. And then you hear the dice clatter. And then the lead singer's just like, fuck. <laughs> and it goes right into it. It's great. But they're, they're really good. They're another small band. I recommend checking them out. And then I've been playing a Pokemon ROM hack called Pokemon Unbound, which is absolutely a blast. But I think Chris wanted to talk a little bit about it. So I'll, I'll leave that for him. Go right ahead, man. Yeah. I mean, other than, you know, just the normal stuff, I've been doing what everyone does, you know, during this time. I've been, you know, 
going out to movies, mm-hmm. eating at buffets, you yeah. know, large audiences. Mm-hmm. Think about checking out mosh pits here in a couple weeks. How, too. how was Golden Corral? Is there, <laughs> yeah. is there, is the quality stayed the same? Exactly how you remember it. Okay. And and you just got back from Vegas, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, Vegas, you, you came right here from the airport. Well, you yeah. had like three connecting flights, though, right? I did. I was thinking about stopping by Cancun, but I actually turned around at the last minute, decided not to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, seriously, um, I, I've been playing a lot of that Pokemon game, too. I really enjoy it. it I mean, just think, like, uh, the fire red, like, graphics with all the new Pokemon up to, like, the seventh generation, new moves, got custom-coded, like, features and everything. They do a lot of stuff. It, it's surprising that the mainline games do, but they do it just a little bit better just because you can tell a fan made it, basically. I, I think my favorite thing about it is that every feature that was brought into a new game and then stripped out of it that people loved, like DexNav and that kind of stuff, is brought into this game. So they just have all the good features that you wanted from all the other games. Yeah. I, I don't know why they ever did like the one and done type things in some of those I games. No, it's like sometimes their gimmicks were genius yeah, they're in really Pokemon good. games and they worked flawlessly and then it was like well, we're only going to do that for one generation, and then it, we're going to leave it. Yeah. Apart from that, I've uh, been running the Slithering for two different groups, including you know our local group. I've really enjoyed that. I've got a chance to use the Foundry virtual tabletop on that, and i got to say I'm really enjoying it. I feel like it really makes 2E uh, stuff smooth. Uh, so virtual for like virtual modes, it's that's great. I haven't plugged my character sheet into one of those yet, but just the lighting effects that you can do in Foundry are so cool. Like you set up like a temple um, in our game that has this rotating light in a shrine. So as it's almost in in like a disco ball way and that you have this big light turning on the table that we're actually playing on. Boy, was it cool. Yeah, I think the lighting effects in Foundry lend themselves really well to the setup that we have, which is, you know, the the digital in-person experience Mm -hmm. i think uh i don't think you can really get that with another tabletop that's out right now without without like the premium roll 20 subscription or whatever agreed yeah yeah what i would say to people listening is if you if you play on roll 20 and you enjoy the way like making like the the way the dynamic lighting works in that you'd really enjoy foundry and how they kind of do it too great um but yeah other than that i uh there's a there's a hex mapping tool I've gotten into lately. I started making just some hex maps for fun. Um, there's a hex kit, I think it's called. But I mean, there's a whole bunch of really good tools out there. Um, never played on hex map before, and I just uh, the process of making maps has just got me curious about doing that. So, like a like what types of maps? Uh, essentially, just regional maps, basically anything that like you know is uh, on a scale of some amount of miles, basically per hex that you want to like map out and like have people work their way through. It's essentially if you if there's a part of travel that you don't just want to hand wave, you can go to a hex map and kind of get some of that there. I think I've seen somebody do Ustalov in a in a like a like hex kit or something. One of the hex mapping tools did a did a nice hex map of Ustalov. I'll have to find it again because that's it's just really cool when you're doing, you know, on the show we don't really focus on travel that much, but the party has done, you know, four day by horse journeys and stuff, which would probably be four hexes on a hex map. Yeah, yeah. Four to eight, even. But uh, I think a hex map is the way to go if you're going to emphasize the travel portion. Yeah, if you're emphasizing. It's not always appropriate for every situation, but I'd love to like try something where it is. It just seems like a cool a cool tool. 
Excellent. As as for myself, um, I'm going to highlight some things that we got into yesterday. So this whole group got together, the the podcast and, and some of the podcast Jason folks, to celebrate Brooks's birthday. Um, and when we did, we had this this big day planned where we were just going to be board gaming all day. Really didn't do a whole lot of board gaming, but what we did do a lot of was playing this dating simulator called Crush Crush. <sighs> Excellent game. For like game. hours. Hours, yeah. Excellent game. I got there a little early, so we got a head start on it. It's not like it was a myself. multiplayer game, man. It One wasn't a multiplayer game. game. We're all just sitting there. Yeah, it's very good. It's free to play on Steam and I believe on Android. Basically, you're uh, you know, you're just you're just a regular guy and you're running into girls and you can date them and you can uh, invest in different hobbies to improve with your spare time to improve your attributes that will be attractive to different types of ladies. Then you work different jobs to get money. Uh, it's it has a surprisingly interesting resource management mechanic. And then you see some some good looking anime girls. So that's a good time. Uh, <laughs> jobs such as janitor demon hunter <laughs> yeah wild disparity between some of the jobs professional yep. athlete yep or you know you could, could you could you could take up some hobbies like bow hunting or brooding brooding the hobby yeah yeah very good uh, we also rented a movie we rented the latest nicholas cage thriller a movie called willie's wonderland phenomenal just yeah absolutely incredible cinema uh, Nicholas Cage, basically, if it, I think the closest analog that people would be familiar with is if he were the player character in Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's absolutely what everybody's drawing that to. Uh, Haunted Chuck E. Cheese with Nick Cage, yeah. um, boy, some what of, a, what a ride! Some of the lines he had in that just had me busting out laughing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like yeah, they were just whoever wrote the script for that deserves an award. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, A plus dialogue. And speaking about A-plus dialogue and just uh, a movie that delivers on every level, we closed the night out with a screening of um, The Country Bears, which is uh, available if you have a Disney Plus subscription to stream. What a great movie. Um, That's <laughs> What a great movie. That's one way to put it. Yeah. Uh, there's some bears that once were in a band that need to get back together so they can save their own old concert venue i just we were talking about it when we were watching it but just the the dirt disney must have on some of these actors to get them to be in that movie christopher walken was in it yep christopher christopher walken queen queen latifah willie t nelson yep yep unbelievable just just a real ensemble cast what a dear god that was a that was a trip but unless you guys want to talk about Country Bears for the next hour, we could get into some of the real content that we got here to talk about. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. Okay. I, I'm done with Country Bears after watching <laughs> it for a second time. Yeah. Yeah, that was the second pass through of that movie. Yeah, not doesn't need a third, I would say. We'll see. Um, okay. So I think at this point, I, I want to pass this off to, to Griffin as CEO of uh, Hideous Laughter Productions for a little special announcement that's going to segue into um into something all right yeah so we have deliberated as a as a group as a podcast as a network and we are thrilled to announce that chris is the newest official member of hideous laughter productions congratulations chris 
as you guys have seen, Chris has become more and more, um, more and more a part of the shows that we put out uh, through Zone of Truth and now moving into Link Legacy in other just huge helpful things that he's been working on. He completely revamped our website uh, and is now going to be one of the main cast members on our Bestow Curse podcast. Whoa! 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 Could it be? Yes. Uh, and and we're just thrilled to have you, Chris. So uh, you know, this is a surprise to me. I, I wouldn't. Why would you talk to me about that before you say something? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> uh, Chris, we we love you. Everybody knows this. We're very excited to bring you on full time. Uh, it's an unpaid position as of right now, <laughs> um, but you will get a lot of exposure on Bestow Curse and whatever other parts of the HLP you are involved in. And you're already involved in several. You got. Um, you, you were on the, the first season of Link's Legacy. You'll be reprising yourself in a new role. That's a weird way to put that. Um, and in season two, the no response from Deep Mar Run. Uh, really looking forward to having you on, on future endeavors. Yeah, honestly, guys, I just got to say, I'm so happy to be a part of this. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan first and foremost, you know, watching you guys get this off of the ground, getting to listen to your episodes and stuff, putting them out. Like, it's great to be a part of this, to, to have such a big part of my life be TTRPGs and role-playing games, especially with a great group of friends like you, is just really living the dream here. So um, I am extremely excited to be part of this. Uh, from the little that I know about the show coming up, it, there's just some really interesting stuff planned, and I, I wish he was here already. I wish I wish <laughs> yeah. we, were, we, were, we were, you know... Trust me, I'm champing at the bit, too. Yeah. yeah. But cheers, buddy. Cheers. cheers. Let's put him up. Yep. Okay, so with the announcement that you are part of the official HLP family, that you are going to be on our second full bore adventure path show, uh, Haley, can you do me a favor and uh, throw up a little artwork that we got for his upcoming character? What is this? All right, people that are watching live, check that stream. That is the first official announced Bestow Curse character played by Chris. Yep. His name is uh, Diego Longshadow. His uh, nickname or, or a, another name for him is Nine Lives. Um, as you can tell, he is a, he's a cat folk, which is interesting. In, in other uh, games, you know, they're called Tabaxi or other, you know, other systems have different names for them. But um, in Tui, the other name for them other than cat folk is called Amurin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not widely shared, but they're a cat folk. Well, it's like the Aruxi. Or the lizard folk. They have their own name. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Chris, for the people who are just listening uh, after this releases onto the podcast feed, can you just do a quick, like, 10 second description of what, uh, of, of the art that these folks are seeing on the live stream? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, what you're seeing is a fairly large, ripped cat folk, like a big old cat, kind of like, like a panther facial features. The face also, so it's, it's, his, his fur is gray. His face has these this this white distinct very distinct white marking on it. Um, he is dressed in furs and hide armor, and in his in his uh, paws he is carrying this big old maul, like the, just a big old honking maul. Yeah, the hammer is enormous. Yep, it's got a little bit of war paint on the on the uh, the head of the weapon, and uh, I mean overall, like props to uh, 
Irene. Props to Irene. Yeah. She is, she did a great job on the art for this. She always does a fantastic job, and it's it's always fun to kind of expand what I've seen her do with some of these uh, mm-hmm. humanoid animal races. We we had her do Air Bear, and I think that was one of the one of the first Yusoki she did, and I think this is one of the few. Uh, cat folk she's done too and she really knocked it out of the park with uh with the description that you gave yeah absolutely yeah fantastic i i really do love it folks check her out she does amazing work if you're looking to get something commissioned uh but okay chris let's move on so uh as established your cat folk mm-hmm. um is is do you have any uh Anything else you want to tell you know like what did you take any fu- anything fun at first level griff has mentioned that we are uh um, playing with some different ancestry heritage rules. Uh, is, there, is there anything there? I'm trying to speak a little vague. You tell what you tell the folks what you want to say. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my intention isn't to reveal everything about this character here now. There's some really interesting parts that I'm looking to come out in the show. But the cat folk, if we think about the ancestry and the heritage, the cat folk is the obvious ancestry there. Which, in, as a quick aside, one of the things I really love in Tui is that you can make basically any ancestry work with any type of class, uh, for the most part, based on some of the free boosts they have. So, you're really able to put whatever combination of character you want and bring them to life. On the heritage part, there's something really interesting here going on with the heritage. Um, and that is something that I don't want to reveal right now, because I think it's going to be great to come up on the show. And the rules that Griff has for uh, Ancestries, I think, lend themselves really well to choosing an interesting variant, should we say, uh, for the for the heritage. Sure. Yeah, we're using the Ancestral Paragon rules, which pair very nicely with any ways to get more ancestry feats. Yeah, yeah. To just clue you in on one of the interesting things that um, that a cat folk has ancestry feat wise, they've got this really interesting chain of uh, ancestry feats called. Uh, the first one starts out with cat's luck. Once per day, you can actually reroll a failed reflex save and take the better result. And then, as you level up and take more and more ancestry feats, you're able to apply that to more things. You get a couple more cases where you can use that, but. The uh, I, I enjoy the the cat's luck part of it. You know, cat always lands on the feet. Can you expand like number of uses per day? I think yeah. Later on, you can do uh, one of the things that I think Tui does is sometimes at high levels they cut the frequency down to like once an hour instead of once yeah, a day. Yeah. Um, so obviously that's going to be great when that kicks in. Mm-hmm. All right. So just a moment ago, you did mention that you can make virtually any ancestry or heritage work in two E with pretty much any class that's going to segue us right into the next segment of us talking about your character what class is uh mr diego long shadow yeah so i have chosen uh barbarian uh as a class and i am very very excited to play a barbarian um to me it is the it is a staple of like what we think about with our role-playing games and like the the dnd pathfinder type systems I was thinking about this, and this is actually going to be the first, you know, my experience in uh, campaigns, you know, isn't that great. I'm in two right now, but this is going to be the first strength-based character that I play for a campaign, oh, yeah? which I'm interested mm. in. Uh, in one Yeah. I was I was doing a lot of decks to damage stuff with some of my melee characters in one so going on the straight strength route, 
uh, is very exciting. The, the 2E system, I think, really lends itself well to playing fun characters that can roll big math rocks as melee characters. You know, you're doing a whole bunch of damage. You might be critting a bunch, maybe not as much of the fighter, but definitely a, a good amount. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think stand and bang are going to be your two favorite words, uh, at least in the beginning of the show, as you're just trading blows as a barbarian. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, something I know about the 2E barbarian, which I've read through but haven't played, um, is that that, uh, you can build them in slightly different ways, barbarian to barbarian. Uh, Effectively, there are different powers tied to the rage state. So can can you tell me about that and what you chose? Absolutely, yeah. So this class feature of the Barbarian in 2E is called Instincts. There are, I think, maybe four or five different instincts you can choose right now for Barbarians. Some of them, you know, you can really build a character to do massive amounts of damage as a Barbarian. There's a real, there's a couple of really good lines to take for that. For this character, based on kind of the, the, the concept and the theme that I had, I was looking to play more of a, uh, a spiritual character a little bit, so I actually chose the Spirit Instinct which their special features when they rage are um, they deal some amount of positive or negative damage with their weapons. And until we even a small amount of that damage against a creature that has weaknesses really matters because it's a like a static amount of weakness damage it adds on to that. In general, the Spirit Instinct Barbarians are all about respecting the dead, um, putting the, you know, destroying undead, you know, just honoring honoring those who have gone before us um, which again I won't go through the whole concept I have now but really ties itself well with the rest of my character that's exciting I think that really puts your character in a in a good light for folks getting excited for this show that they've got this this cool spiritual barbarian you know I, I to me oftentimes spiritual and barbarian are two words that don't shouldn't have a lot of overlap but I think that's going to be very cool. Uh, I'm really excited to see how you play that off. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know what you're planning. I don't know your character's story. I'm just as in the dark as basically most of the people listening. I knew his name, and that was kind of about it. Yeah. You know, there are some people who have more of an idea of what my character is than myself, even. <laughs> there are, yes. Uh, but I think Chris's character is one of those characters that very concretely from the beginning of the campaign you will see has this tie to the setting that's going to be very real very felt throughout the the six books of the adventure uh we've we've really had a lot of time to flesh out his his backstory and how it plays into corvosa and the surrounding areas and and how he's really going to fit in to this adventure. And I think it, it, we've said a lot of times when a, when an AP is in one area, it's really, really helpful to have characters that are super invested in the space. And I think Diego is a character that is very invested from day one in the space, which will, will play out very well, I think. Yeah. I imagine that a lot of people who have played Curse already can just look at like what type of character this is and already are starting to think about how we might fit in mm-hmm. in the campaign a little bit. But as a quick aside, one of my favorite things in when I'm playing in campaigns is to have a character that ties well into the setting and a little bit of work with the GM to make sure that my hooks work mm-hmm. is something I'm really interested in. Like I can, you know, to me, I don't have to build the, the biggest, best character as long as my character fits and meshes in well. I'm happy to claim there. Yeah. yeah, and we're happy for you. Um, all right, 
Another, another another question that I had for you about this character. Did you cast this character with any actor? Um, and where did you pull your inspiration from for this for this uh, big old kitty cat? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't I don't often cast characters, um, and even harder, it's it's hard for me to cast a character that is a like cat folk basically because their features are very cat like. Um, when I was developing um, or th- you know thinking about the initial concept. I wanted a catfog who was like super, super beefy as you would be for a barbarian. So, but not in like. You didn't a, cast him as James Corden. That's certainly another avenue. I can't wait for this show. I'm going to make so many cat theme drops. Oh, there's going to be a lot of Dave Judy Dench. <laughs> I'm I'm worried. I'm just set. I'm going to just setting you up there, giving you the all you for that. Um, but yeah, yeah. So. Um, when I was thinking about him, I was thinking like a beefy character, but not overly ripped, kind of just like a like beefy based on his size, like a mountain type build. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess just general concepts. I mean, the concept of like a um, just a, a a warrior in tune with his surroundings, in tune with nature, able to persist on the land, some of that stuff. In in one I was uh, one of my backups for our campaign, our Return of the Rune Lords campaign that we're playing in was a uh, Blood Rager, yeah. um, and I had a similar idea in mind. Um, turns out I don't think you know I don't think we're gonna have any characters die in that, so it's probably not needed, which is why I can feel good playing this guy in in Curse. Scratch that itch that you were looking for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. All right, um, we're we're gonna be rounding home here about talking about your character, so. Um, I'm just I'm throwing out a, a little bit of a an open-ended one here. Are there any further generalities that you can share with us about this character, about how he might behave in game and in combat? Um, can you give us a spoiler-free summary of his place in the world heading into Bestow Curse? Maybe a little bit about his personality. Just what can people expect? Yeah, there's a couple of key things I think that are that are be cool to note at this point. Um, just overall, he's, he's, he's I'm casting him as like a very stoic reserved um relaxed character who when he rages kind of gets like just focused um about tasks at hand um in terms of the other general things about the character i think it's no surprise to people familiar with the setting that based on his art he might be affiliated with the shawanti in the region Mm -hmm. um which is definitely something that is a is tied to his character you know exactly what exactly how don't quite know at this point but um i know griff has had a lot of ideas about his place and all that yeah i think you know we'll we'll find this character already having ties to the shawanti specifically the uh skalar kwa the um the tribe of the skull let's 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 take a quick pause here who are the shawanti i know there might be some people who here who are not sure, familiar yeah. with this lore so the shawanti are kind of the um like the native american analog in galarian and they were uh for most of varisia they were the initial inhabitants and so a city like corvosa which has history as a chillaxian colony was initially shawanti land mm-hmm. and so a lot of the city and even um, even the Grand Mastaba, which is where the the castle Corvosa sits at the pinnacle of this um, of this flat topped pyramid, uh, even that is dates back to ancient Shawanti uh, architecture. 
And so there's a tenuous peace right now in Corvosa between the Shuanti and uh, the city itself, but it's always uneasy. And there's always a need for diplomacy between the groups because the Shuanti are, and rightfully so, still upset by the fact that their land has been taken and there's, um, you know, you, you see a lot of analogs to this in in. American history, but there's tension there. There's tension there, and I think Chris's character is going to be able to see the world from both sides of that tension and really bring a lot of flavor into into the uh, the relationship both inside the city and outside of the city with the Shawanti. Cool. Well, I just got a notification from our producer, Haley, who we have not announced. Yes, she's here as well, listening in and, and helping us out <laughs> helping here. Helping us out. Hi, uh, Haley. As, as normal. Thank you again for your help here. I got a notification from her that uh, we've got a question for uh, for Chris from our uh, from our Discord here. We Great. do. Uh, Demuth, who has not joined us yet for a live zone of truth, so welcome. But Hello. he has a question for Chris. Do you have a voice in mind for Diego? Oh, great question, Demuth. Glad to, glad to have you here. Um, so the voice is something that I've worked a whole bunch on and I don't have anything committed locked in yet for him. There's a couple that I've been entertaining and I think I'm narrowing down on the voice I want to use for him. Um, but it's important to me that the accent and the voice that I use is something that I can keep up across the campaign and that sounds good on radio. So, um, a normal voice I might use for just, just a campaign with us may not be a, a good voice for me to use in a recording so still kind of nailing down that so nothing no solid answer on that right now i i've been stressing about mine a lot because you're you're right you want to do something that doesn't tax your vocal cords too much because you're gonna you could be doing it for a very long time you want to make sure you can do it easily without thinking about it um you got to get it right and the big overarching thing is that you still want it to represent your character the way you want it to with all those things considered so it's, it's a tough it's a tough thing to balance i think if anything it's you could correct me if I'm wrong, but we've discussed this kind of at length. It's not going to be your, like, stereotypical American Indian accent, no, no. which I think is something that we just out of respect wanted to avoid. Um, I know, you know, obviously Steve plays Matumbe, which, you know, he does have an mm-hmm. Africa yep. you know, accent, but I think especially with the themes of the AP, we kind of wanted to avoid being over overtly like <laughs> yeah there's certain reading the reading the corvosa um splat book and even some of the like getting ready for the campaign materials there are certainly some some like colonialization themes and um some, some material we're, we're going to want to tread lightly around yeah um you know having no no representation from the native american community you know we don't want to step on any toes or anything we want to make sure we're doing this the right way and yeah and i think you know i hope you guys trust us to deal with that subject matter respectfully which is mm-hmm. you know goes back to why we you know we're trying to kind of avoid the that kind of accent mm-hmm. i've got a question here for um for griffin which is from uh, bipolar pop tart. He said, "What is the Corvosa analog supposed to be?" So the you mean like the the I assume he means the analog to the world. That's kind of tough. I think 
I think Varigia is kind of supposed to be almost like Mediterranean E. I, yeah. I will say this: I, I can't really draw a direct analog off the top of my head to Corvosa, but where where Magnamar might be more of a uh, a free thinking, free city. Corvosa is is a little bit more strictly regimented in its laws. It comes across as more. I mean, obviously, it's a monarchy. It, it comes across as more. It, it has it has these ties to its Chalaxian roots. Still, you see uh, churches of Asmodeus and all all kinds of other things in this city still. So, I would say it's it's more like a um, God. I, I don't know. It, it, it almost reminds me of like Italy. Yeah. Um, I know. I know. It's not. You know. It's not. It doesn't have the Roman feel, but it, it kind of reminds me of like a little bit heading into World War II Italy. Yeah. I, I can see that a little bit. I feel like unlike some of the other uh, Varesian cities, there doesn't seem to be a, a super strong tie to like the ancient like uh, Rune Lords or Thassalon or any of that kind of stuff. Um, so it, to, to me, it's almost like uh, like a Roman city that you know, in like France or somewhere where the Romans like basically took over old indigenous people's land and built their own colony on top of that. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a thing where it's kind of difficult to say what Chelyax is exactly the analog for as well. Yeah. Because you want to think, I mean, they spread everywhere. Is it British Empire? A little bit. I mean, like with Sargava and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It's a little bit that, but. Chalaxians aren't really like the British in in a lot of ways. I, I I always kind of, in my mind, I always kind of attributed them a little closer to like the old Spanish Empire because um, with like the Inquisition and stuff, uh, the Spanish Inquisition, you've got like the, the you know insanely religious dogmatic folks, kind of like how Chalaxian are so tied to um, the devil worship and that kind of thing. That's kind of where my head canon went, but I'm not sure if that's actually. I kind of, I almost, I know we're kind of going off on a tangent on this question, but I kind of think about it as Portugal a little bit now that I'm thinking about it, Mm -hmm. because a, it's a colony, yep, and so it has that colonization vibe to it. It's got strict ties to a monarchy. It, um, you know, the Jigares, the the family, the famed explorers that found the area. Uh, and like the the Jugare River is named after them are are a noble house now in the in the area and it like in a a little bit of a probably intended gross way makes me think about like Christopher Columbus a little bit yeah yeah a little bit um so maybe 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 like that mm. okay yeah all right well that that was a fun little tangent um I'd be excited to see what people in the you know, in the Discord after they hear the episode or whatever, have to say about kind of the what, the parallels we've been drawn because I'm, I'm always interested in in the lore and how it crosses over in, with real life and all that kind of stuff. But Chris, I think we're we're about to wrap up here with at least this segment of the show. Um, is there anything else you wanted to tack on to the end of it, or there is um, one last thing that okay. I have to hint about, to tease about, Griffin, the benevolent. Uh, GM that he is bestowed bestowed well done 
free the free archetype rule for us uh, for the Bestow Curse campaign. Um, so that means that every time we receive a class feat in our normal class, which is every even level, we also get to take an archetype feat based on when we choose. And I have studied all of the archetypes, and I have chosen a the specific archetype to create a combination never before seen in any system, any D&D TTRPG system out there whatsoever. These two classes have never been combined in this way before. So, just a hint for you there. Generally, what I want to do with this unknown class is um, he's already going to be good at smashing faces in combat. I want to provide him a little bit of extra out-of-combat utility that also flavorfully ties into his character. So... That's what I'll be going for with my archetype. I really enjoy the idea of, over time, him discovering maybe some of these powers that this archetype is about and growing into it. Oh, so you're going to be a vigilante. You weren't supposed to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. It's not vigilante. Okay, well, that's fun. That's a a good little tease. And (laughs) folks at home, you're going to have to listen to the show to find out. Mm -hmm. How exciting. Okay. Let's move into our next big segment. Earlier in the week, I pulled the patrons to ask them what they wanted to see us do this week. And um, food review won. Didn't really expect that. So when it did win, we had a conversation and decided that maybe uh, us eating food into the microphones is not uh, a respectful thing to do to a live audience. (laughs) Uh, There could be folks listening right now with sensitive hearing or misophonia. Um, when we've done that in the past, we've given plenty of warnings and it's always at the end of the show. So we're not going to actually do a food review today, but I do think we have something adjacent enough that it'll kind of count. And I think you'll really like it. This segment's called No Yo Macro. What's happened is we have purchased several classic American macros. Um, and Chris, myself, and Griffin our blind taste testing them, and then we are going to try and figure out using our uh, our beer drinking experience which macro is which. Um, I've got the list of macros here. Does anybody want to read them out? Uh, let's say, Haley, go ahead. Yeah, so right before they got into this room, I poured in Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors, Bud Heavy, Bush Light, Founder Solid Gold, Gold, and Hams. I think that's all seven. Did I say Coors? Uh, yeah. Yeah, but you forgot the light. It is Coors Light. Put some respect Sorry, on Coors its name. Coors Light. Yeah. So before they got into the room, I poured all of those into seven solo cups, which are currently sitting right next to Chris. I have the key. No one has. No one else has the key. All the cups are numbered. And uh, I'll let you guys know if you are successful at identifying them later. Yes. I'm a little bit worried about this one. Absolutely. Uh, And I also have to say that uh, to do this in the most economical way possible, we bought seven tall boys of beer and the winner, the the one that gets the most correct, has to finish all the tall boys. Ooh, that's a a rule that was not announced to me at the (laughs) beginning of this segment. Ooh, also I have a note here to tell the story. Um, So today I went to the gas station to buy seven tall boys of beer and I went to go check out and the lady at the register um, asked me if I was watching the game. And I panicked because I don't know what the game was. So um, I, I was about to say yes, but then I was like, she's going to catch me. She's going to know that I'm not she's watching gonna the game. She's going to catch me? Because if she says anything, I'm not going to be able to respond back. You're going to catch me. So 
So All immediately, right. so immediately I pivot to say, no, I'm drinking these with my friends and we're going to compare them. Good save. That's Because like uh... I was also thinking to myself, oh, well, obviously I'll just tell her that I'm on a podcast tasting beers, but then I could get in the situation where I have to explain podcasting to somebody and I don't want to get stuck there. Yeah, that's fair. So now there's a woman at the gas station that thought I bought seven different tall boys and I'm sitting around with my friends trying them and talking about it, which is pretty true, but uh, really just a depressing uh, thought. What really irks me is that you potentially lost a new listener. Yeah, wow, Steve. Yeah. You even give her a business card? Really got really to get those captures. No, the business cards in my wallet are all beat you up. Tell, you tell the listeners to spread the word, but you won't do it yourself? I won't do it at the gas station. <laughs> That's where I draw the line. All right, we have a blindly marked solo cup that has a number one on it. We're each going to pour a little bit into our own taster cups and then try to fight, uh, decide what this is. Oh, you guys have clear cups. I feel like you have an advantage. Oh, I don't I don't think so. This is an, uh, this is an Auburn lager. Okay, let's give this one a try. Fuck, man. This is gonna be really this hard. This is gonna be really hard. <laughs> this tastes like all seven of these beers. Oh no. Fuck. Oh no. It this does is... smell like a college party in here. Uh, or like a bar that's got sticky floors, you know? Pretty exclusively that. That's what it smells like in here. Mm. Fuck. Uh, I think it's a light one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Light, you it's definitely light. It's probably not the heavy. The hops are the hops are from the northwest region of the country. Okay, you clearly have a much better advantage on this than I do. If you could tell that, um, I'm really concerned about Christ. this. I, I like Haley. How don't, how long did you let this breathe for? All right, um, I'm gonna go ahead and say because I I just legitimately don't know. The one that I'm least familiar with is Bushlight, so that's what I'm going with. <laughs> These were all poured one hour ago, Chris. Just to give you that idea of. Be careful with your pour because you got to finish it before you pour the next. Yeah, you have to you have to factor that in. Yeah, dude, we got six yeah. to go. Um, you you announced your thing before you wrote it down. See, now you're colluding. Yeah, I I think it's Bushlight as well. Oh. <laughs> Son of a bitch! No, but right, literally, get the second one. Let's go. Well, all right, all right. I, I I think it's Coors. You think so? I think so. Yeah, Coors. Um, I'm going I'm going back for another taster. Their production group, Coors, generally gets hops from um, the the lower region of Texas. Shut up. I'm going to kill your character. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm passing the second okay. cup around if you guys are ready for that. Right, yeah. I'm going to put Bush Light, but then I'm going to have a Coors question mark next to it and change it to Coors if I don't find another Coors. How are you going to find a Coors? If it tastes a Coors, then I'll know. The two. Hmm. There's way too much in these cups. Yeah. You know, in, in my usual beer tastings, they provide you a pitcher of uh, water and a spittoon. Yeah, where, yeah, where's my spittoon? Yeah. yeah. Oh, this. So if I do poorly, it's because I don't have the appropriate equipment. Now that's different. Yeah. Ooh, I think I might know this one. Just gonna write it down. Yeah. This one doesn't taste like piss, folks. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think we've all nailed it. Just a dead giveaway. All right, uh, Chris, get the third one. Wait, are we going like... to say what we... Oh, eat? yeah. Okay. Uh, I, th I thought that was Founders. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Founders. I was going to say that, but I'm used to Founders in the can, not not poured and aerated, so I said Bud Heavy. And yeah, I think I'm what, wrong about that. That's what I'm worried about, because Chris drinks the most Founders out of all yeah, of us. He doesn't he think it's Founders. It, uh -oh. Uh -oh. I, I'm drinking out of a rubber cup, so... <laughs> I feel like I'm getting tainted 
flavor profile here. Mm. This one is Auburn as well. <laughs> it's pretty clear. Uh, oh, I think I know this one from the smell. Yeah, I think I know this. <laughs> Maybe I don't know this. Really? <laughs> I figured if oh, I know this one. This. <laughs> Freaked me out there for a second. Yeah, me too. I think it's a hams. I'm pretty fucking sure. Yeah, that's the hams. hams. That's the hams. If this isn't a hams, well, I again, <laughs> just like Chris, I'm not used to the hams in an open container. I'm used to the the beer in a in a can. Yeah. If if this was served in the can, I would definitely have identified it correctly. Yeah, all right. Well, watch it. Watch it. Get the next beer. Come on. All right. All right. Four. Numero four. Yeah, this is four. All right. So right now I've got Bush Light with a Coors Maybe on number one. I've got Founders at two and Hams at three. I don't know what I'm going to do about fucking Bushlight because I also have no experience with Bushlight. The Bushlight is the wild card. I thought it was important to have a wild card. Apparently not because they all taste Apparently the same. Not. This is really hard. So I've been bullshitting about the, the, the color of the beer, but this one legitimately is a little darker than the others. Which makes me worried because it's probably Founders. If this is Founders, my, my bracket is fucked. Oh, no, I know this boy. I know this boy. I think I do know. I think I know this too. I don't know this one. I'm not looking at either of your sheets. You better not fucking look at my sheet. My pencil it over it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's it's got a little fuller flavor than some of the lights. I think. I'm gonna. I'm marking this as a Bud Heavy. What do you think? Bud Heavy. Yeah. I'm pretty damn sure this is a Miller Light. I put Miller Light as well too. And that makes me feel more confident. Miller used to be what I drank in college. So. I, I used to mix Miller and lemonade together to get Ooh, like a little, little summer shandy. Well, yes. yeah, I'm, I'm You're not allowed to You cannot. As a question mark, maybe if I don't find something else. Well, what is this guy doing? He's like, oh, well, maybe I don't have to lock it in yet. It's not done. I, I think have to lock it in. Guys, I'll fellas, lock it in at the end once I've had all seven beers. Fellas, I think we can all agree that Haley is not enforcing this correctly. So we can just do what we want. <laughs> I haven't heard anyone out of line. We all know what Steve said first. We have it literally yeah, recorded. Have, yeah. So yeah. the truth is out there. Down. He's also the only one writing in pen. <laughs> this is a this is a gauntlet. Yeah, think of. I mean, we we've just been setting these cups aside, but someone's got to put in the work on those. <sighs> no, they don't. <laughs> I think we mix them all together. Give them to Haley. That is a hospital trip. <laughs> that is correct. That will uh, put me out for a few days. No, thank you. Ooh. Fuck. I think that's Founders. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Which isn't a good sign. Yeah. I think that I might like be I, Founders. I feel like we get contamination. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> this is the this is we called this out as a potential issue that we might run into is that beer upon <laughs> beer without cleansing the container. Yeah, we've been pouring the beers <laughs> into the same cups. What about what about the palate? I feel like the palate needs cleanse too. Again, we should yeah, be that's having also some thing. lemon parfait in between. Or, we can blame our poor performance if if it is indeed poor on on the you know the lack of scientific setup. Oh shit! All right, I, I mean I got I know where I gotta go with it. I got it. I. Fuck. Maybe this I mean, one if, has if, a fuller flavor than the last one. If we're not if we're not fully locked in, <laughs> I'm just gonna do I'm gonna do a question mark too. 
I yeah. think I think two and five are my I, both. I think, are I think both my founders maybes. I think you I can think, lock. You you should be able to write whatever you want, and then we'll lock it in at the end once you've had. See, all but the seven. worst part is like I'm not going to be able to remember back. <laughs> I think that was Coors well, Light. That's what I think. You think that was a Coors? Son of a bitch. I don't know. <laughs> you might be right because Miller Coors. I think Miller and Coors have more of a similar flavor than the rest. The flavors are all muddying in my mouth. Number Turn six. Turn to ash in my mouth. This watch. is so much more difficult than I thought. During the next submission session, watch Dude, people. I thought we were going to rock this. Yeah, no. Watch people upvote um, a scientifically driven taste testing session because of disputes about this one. <laughs> Fucking Chris, you still have like half an ounce of beer. <laughs> you <laughs> did I? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think well, then this to, one might be Coors Light too. <laughs> like there's noticeable liquid in your we, cup. We brought him onto the we, we brought him onto the network because of his his tenacity, not because of his uh, scientific method performance. I like this beer. <laughs> I'm gonna hold this. Can I can I get some more of that so I can yeah taste it legitimately? Dude, I don't think it's gonna help. <laughs> I'm known. Uh, I'm known um, in some parts as having a diamond tongue that can detect even the slightest difference in hop geography. I think you mean hop. Now I'm just trying hop-ology. to figure out. Like I feel like we're almost better off just trying to think about Haley's method. Yeah. In pouring these, and what order she might have gone in. And I know you. You know you. You got to think she wouldn't put hams first or last. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're trying. To, you're trying to re-engineer the. Yeah. Yeah. I think she definitely did the like you unscrew the caps probably yeah. back to back. Probably. So we got three yeah. cap ones. That's a good that's a good that's a good point. I think Is I, it cheating to tell you guys a secret? Secret? Mm, I don't want to give us a lot of, no, I don't no, want to no, 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 hear, it. Don't hear it. We'll hear it at the end of this. I think that's a founders. No. I think number six is a founders. There's no way. There's zero out of your mind. I think it's a founders. All right, get the seventh one. (laughs) All I have left is Bush. (laughs) You know, there's a psychological principle that says the first and last of any group of thing you do in order, you remember the most. Well, maybe this last one will be the most memorable for all of us. One can hope. Dibs on whichever one is founders at the end. (laughs) I don't know. Okay, that one is Founders, actually. <laughs> what? I thought Founders was so fucking distinct. I was on my fucking high horse about yeah, yeah, founders, founders Founders, Solid Gold. I was on my high horse I about think what it. we've learned in here is that in these seven, there's a set of four that really don't taste that different, and we should just choose the cheapest one to buy every time. That's a great point. Okay, well that Fuck, one that actually has a complexity of flavor. You, you're probably actually, right. Yeah, that does. Sa- okay, well that means that my number two is no longer Founders, right. which means I have to backfill it with something. <laughs> but I remember Six. that one being pretty fully flavorful, which means that I have to move Bud Light out or Bud Heavy out of my five position. You're, you're in the exact same position as me. Because <laughs> all I have left on the table is Bush Light, and that is not Bush Light. But then again. That might I, be. I don't think I've ever had a I, bush light. Right, I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a bush light. I just don't want to think that bush light could be like that. I'm just, 
I know we're gonna right. get hams wrong, and we're all we're gonna get so much shit. Yeah, for like it. we all were pretty sure. About honestly, hams. honestly, I almost didn't even want to bring hams today because if I got it wrong, I'd get fucking dragged on the Discord. All right, I'm moving founders to seven, bud heavy to two, which means that five has to be bushlight. But I'm I have no basis for that. Can I just guess founders twice and just know that I got one wrong? <laughs> I think that's the smart thing to do, honestly. <laughs> Three that I want to put a potential. Right, I'm gonna put in. seven as found. I'm gonna put all seven. As I, re founders. I really think At after that. Right. After that, I, I really don't think any of the other ones could have that like caramely note that the yeah. like it's got to be the founders. Agreed. All right. Hold so on. Hold on. I haven't. I haven't rejiggered my sheet. Yeah, lock them in, boys. Lock them in. Well, in general. Fuck. Okay, number one's got to be Bush then. Well, yeah. I originally had Bush. And I'm bringing. I'm bringing cores. I'm bringing cores into the number number two spot. I think. So once one of you has a finalized list, I would like you to read it out loud, and I will tell you how many you got. Correct. Oh boy, I oh, do I'm have worried. a finalized list. <laughs> I think our lists right. are similar, so I'm worried about. This. All right, number one, cores. Number two. But heavy. Number three, hams. Number four, Miller Light. Number five, Bush Light. Number six, Bud Light. Number seven, Founders. You got one. Come oh, on. I'm boned. Oh. I'm boned. Oh. I'm real boned. Come on, tell me it was hams. I won't tell you yet. Fuck. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. All no, right. they're locked in. Are you guys locked in? I'm it's, locked I, in. I, yeah. I feel like right. we got hams wrong. And yeah, I think we got hams wrong. So. But if I get a big old goose egg on this, I'm gonna be so unhappy. I got number one, Bush Light. Number two, Bud Heavy. Number three, it's not hams, but I had hams. Four, Miller Light. Five, Coors Light. Six, Bud Light. Seven, Founders. Well, we had a lot of crossover. Yeah. <laughs> Chris has two, correct. Wow. <laughs> All right. I am twice as good at beer. <laughs> yeah. Than you. You sure are. This isn't going to be a very impressive show, like gag. I got number one, Bush. Number two, Coors. Three, Hams. Four, Miller Lite. Five, Bud Heavy. Six, Bud Light. Seven, Founders. Uh, Griffin got two. <laughs> Guys, this segment was a fucking embarrassment. <laughs> if we had only four, perhaps we would have done better. Two out of four is a pretty good number. Yeah, you could have. This was off. Two out of seven. Uh, all right, all right, Haley. How did we do? What What was the original? Uh... So, number one is Bush Light. Right. Steve got that wrong. The other two got it correct. And I originally had yeah. Bush Light. I, I originally had Coors, and I flipped it. Well. The fact that that's the one we got right is not good. Number two is Founders Solid Gold. That's no what I had. That was my oh, <laughs> my fucking original one. Original one. You talked me out of Founders. Number three. Is Bud Light? No one got it. Fuck. Is six hams then? Number four is Miller Light. Everyone got that. Everyone got my it. one. All right, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Miller Light's distinctive. Five is hams, and no one got it. What? Sad. Sad. No one got it. No let way. me let me taste five. Where's five at? <laughs> I don't go. ever want to hear on the podcast that's a hams because is it a hams? Is we it? can't tell. Is it? It might be a founders or maybe a butt heavy. Are you sure you got this right? I, I am. All right. Number six is cores and no one got it. 
Nope. And number seven, which everyone thought was, for the most part, a lot of what them thought it was that? founders. That is Bud Heavy. Bud Heavy's good. Bud Heavy, yeah. Bud Heavy's Bud good. He I'm fine with wow, Bud Heavy. Wow, speaking of Bud Heavy advertisement real wow. quick. <laughs> wow. I never Pour me some of that. that Bud Heavy, if you would. <laughs> Toss me yeah. Heavy. Oh, wait, yeah, I still I'm have some actually that. good beer that I have. I, I no. don't. So no, you can have the, the Bud Heavy. Bud yeah, that's. I'm fine with that. So wow. there is um, some left in all of those containers, and because I sent them out of the room and knew that they and take all of it if anybody wants likely could hear me opening the cans and bottles um i didn't actually pour in the order that i opened i wow poured that's into, so meticulous wow. i poured into random cups what the fuck after opening good. them this is good <laughs> regardless regardless but heavy i'm about it maybe it's, this, maybe it's out of a rubber cup but I'm i don't about i mean it. it tasted good to me and i had but six heavy. beers in my cup before i drank but heavy so this was a single blind study. I think if it was a true double blind where you didn't even know the results, mm -hmm. things would be different. I think your bias has infected this entire thing, Haley. Next time we'll grab Chris, Emily. I know you're embarrassed. Can... Shut up. <laughs> if, we, if we get Emily, we can get, have a, have a uh, double blind. She could be the, the co-producer. She could do it once. She knows the uh, actual list. She recommended, I think, warm and flat. So. Dear God, no. <laughs> All right, we're moving on to the next segment. We're going to get made fun of on the Discord. That was awful performance from all three of us. Don't worry, we can fix uh, this in post, right? No one no one needs to see this. This isn't going five on Five out of seven. <laughs> I got five. <laughs> Steve, you got everything but Coors. My number five was it? That's a hams, Griffin. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, let's go, let's go to the phones. Uh, Please, we do, we do have a calling question uh, from a very good friend of the show, uh, Haley, our producer in studio. Do you mind bringing that up and playing it so the folks can hear what we're about to respond to? Hey, gang, this is Ten Lawn Gnomes, and I'd like to know what mimic would you design to catch the rest of the crew? I've seen some people who turned monster cans and sriracha bottles into mimics. And I'm wondering what you would come up with in order to be uh, the last person standing. Did yeah. everyone did everyone hear that? It was what mimic would you be if you wanted to catch the rest of the group? Yeah, and uh, Eric, great question. Uh, you posted some really good art of those monster and sriracha cans. Um, I'd encourage everybody to check that out in the chat um, from like a day ago. I don't know, but they were uh, they were really good. Um, what do you guys think? I've got a couple ideas. I don't know if I could get the full crew. Is, so is it is it to pick one mimic that gets the full crew? <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, no. that's, a bit, wow. that's a bit at it. That's wow, a bit we just got, we just got fucking dr drugged through the coals there. <laughs> just, you know what? I, we just have to take it, you know? I mean, I, I, I'm not take really our yeah. stand, so... That's Anyways. a dead lie. <laughs> I only drink them at four in the morning. That's because you want them. <laughs> yeah, because I want them at four in the morning. Anyways, I got a mimic I think that could take down the whole crew. Yeah. Okay. Easy. A ring light. One of the ring lights, but positioned in the hallway or somewhere awkward that you have to move it out of the way to get past. Like, I think any of us, if we were to go upstairs and see a ring light that wasn't where it should be, would move it and touch it. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I got one too. Uh, I would be the our virtual tabletop. Yeah. The actual yeah, table. Because okay, you're always yeah, you put you touch yeah. minis. Mm -hmm. Um I've got a or, couple yeah, or just the table. Uh, be, yeah. be the table. The gaming table. I've got a couple uh, person specific ones. 
I think Griff maybe uh, uh, just a small lactate. Because, you know, you're reaching for that in your time of need. Or any pickle jar. Or a yeah, pickle jar, yeah. Right. I'm looking for the lactate without really questioning. Uh, Brooks would be a fancy car. Um, he just drools over those things. If you turned his car into a mimic, he'd be dead immediately. So there's that. Um, Chris, I don't know about enough about you, so. Good. I don't know. Your phone? Yeah, anyone. That would work for anyone. Oh, the thing in my pocket's a mimic. Why, you know? There you go. Yeah, I think it has to be something someone would encounter yeah. in their environment. Like a bog witch. Yeah. Oh, boy. For Chris, it's a new cat toy. Yeah. That seems yeah, good. I'm give my hands on anything to now, try Now, for Chris, it's the easy curl bar because him and John are always just pushing pushing to the curl. It gets Steve, too. Pushing to the curls at the end of the tunnel. Yep. I never asked for curls. I just take them like a champ. Well, I'd still get everybody. All right, uh, I think that that was that was our question there. Mm-hmm. Haley, do we got any questions from the Discord? We do have one that I have saved. I've asked um, the others that have come through, but the one that is saved is from Spartan. So, when you guys are creating characters for a new AP, are you given any idea of what the character should be invested in for the sake of the campaign involvement? Hmm. This is a good one. I mean, I'll, I'll let you guys answer from the perspective of my players, but I can also talk about my philosophy for starting to run a new campaign. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. Let's start there. You want me to kick yeah. it off? Yeah. Okay. Um, realistically, I like to find materials that are good, spoiler-free ways for the the group to learn about the setting and think about what is what. It, it really gives you a jumping off point for character concepts, I think. So for this one, our starting materials were obviously the player's guide, which I think is 10 out of 10. Uh, something great for any campaign. Definitely read it. But also the Varigia campaign or the um, Corvosa campaign setting, I think uh, at least that campaign setting very clearly denotes what the spoiler section is. So I was fine because I trust you guys to was fine with you guys reading that section or not the not the spoiler section, but reading that supplement and just avoiding the spoiler section, which I think allowed you to flesh out how your character might connect to the city. Um, Beyond that, I like to when I run new campaigns, I like to get my player's idea of a character they would like to play and think about how that would that could connect to a certain plot point or hook in the campaign and I like to bounce ideas so um, I think I've done that with both of your characters mm-hmm. just just thinking out loud here we've de- I mean Chris and I have been bouncing ideas for three months <laughs> in, in, in the garage gym yep working out yep, yep. but uh, but Steve and I have bounced a lot of ideas uh and and the rest of the crew as well and i just think you really need to take a stance of if i'm going to run a campaign especially if it's set in a certain area i need to get really intimate with the uh with all of the information i have on that area so that i can and and with the campaign itself so that i can kind of popcorn ideas yeah. as as they come in and i think that that really gives you the characters that are invested it just it makes it a lot easier yeah I, I think my experience with you very much has been um for 
virtually every every character that I've played at, at, a, at a table GM by you, it's been, I come up with something that I get excited about, but it's really just like a person. It's not like a person in a situation. I take that, that concept, that person, be like, hey, I want to play this type of character, maybe this class, how can we fit it in? And then we can, and then we do that back and forth that you mentioned and come up with like a good way to slot it into the universe in a really cohesive way. Um, that's the, that's exactly where we're going with um, my character for bestow curse, which we'll talk about at a later time. That's how we kind of did Matumbe and saw. Um, and even like all my backups that I have saved away in the, the files on, uh, on my, uh, on my iPad that no one will probably ever see because I don't think I'm going to die anytime soon. Uh, Chris, you have a... Matube, invincible. You hear to hear first. <laughs> somehow, somehow still making it. Thank God. That's right. Yeah, for me, um, the thing that I want to have in my mind first locked down before I go into like any like specific setting is what role do I want to play, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, you know, you get... You know, no one in the party really knows what they're doing, so you get to just go ahead and say, "Okay, I want to pick this role. Like, this is what this is the type of thing I want to do." Other times, you're a little constrained because the party is already a little bit set, and you have a smaller space to like pick something that meshes well with the party. And I enjoy that too. Sometimes, sometimes I enjoy designing with some constraints around my character to just see what cool thing I could come up with at that point. That's what I like doing for a one shot. I don't know if I've played a one shot in the last like year or two that I've like come in with a really strong. I need to play this role. I feel like I've always been like, what do you guys have? All right, cool, I'll be the healer. All right, or like, cool, you don't have anybody in the front line, I'll be the front line. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I always I always like just fill in the slots for a one a one shot so I can just kind of experience things if I'm not like too keen up on anything. Yeah. Uh, but for but for a longer term campaign, I definitely come in with an idea of what I want to, like a role I want to fill. Yeah, Absolutely. And even if even if you're constrained a little bit, there's still you can still find an interesting mechanic or an interesting thing you want to do in there. And once I have that, then I start looking into like setting specific. Okay, how can I make this type of character connect to the setting? Is there a specific class or thing I can take that ties me in? And that's when I start talking to the GM about different ideas. And sometimes I'll hear something that I haven't been thinking about that's like, oh, that would be awesome, which is kind of what happened with this character. And that just leads to a you know a, a slippery slope of great ideas. Yeah, I think, I think when you're really invested in your setting as a game master, you can really be like when your player is throwing ideas at you and really getting excited about their character, you can throw like three suggestions out about, Oh, we could, you know, we could go this direction with them and we could tie them in here, or we could do this thing or, and, and it really, it gives you kind of without spoiling the campaign, it gives you some branching options, like your players, some branching options to work with. But I think that's organically how to make a really good, character that's tied into the setting is you really just kind of back and forth it's an iterative process for sure absolutely what you got Haley got another question here which is uh, from bipolar pop tart speaking of bestow curse what mystery slash curse combo would you take if you had to dip take a dip in oracle in real life oh I gotta look up the oracle yeah we gotta look up the oracle curses uh in in first edition, I think I would definitely go uh, the the dark tapestry oracle. I just it's so flavorful and cool. Actually, I think 
thinking about real life, a lore oracle is probably where I would want to be. Sure. Have a ton of information, like uh, be really smart, have that kind of tie to like the Akashic record or whatever. Um, I think that'd be useful in, in t- like today, but I don't, I don't necessarily think, um, the dark tapestry is something that you'd want. Yeah. I don't want to see that shit. I don't want to get like my, you know, mind fried by glimpsing something. It's interesting. Yeah. What you would want to be in real life is not exactly what you would want to play as a character. Um, yeah. the one that I was the, the uh, just a brief scroll through the mysteries. There is an intrigue mystery where you can like, you get extra abilities to disguise yourself as something. I think that would be super cool is like getting a disguise on and like sneaking, like doing other, like sneaking into places or like taking part in intrigue as someone else. That's kind of cool. Not that I would ever want to play a character in a setting with that, mm-hmm. but like personally for me, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So um, I would probably, I guess I kind of am living this right now. Uh, the site bound. Oh, no. <laughs> you you bond with a particular 10-foot square and must re- remain within 1,500 feet of the site or immediately become sickened. I mean, we're all kind of living through that right now. That seems the most realistic. Everyone's just stuck in their apartments and shit. What do you think the specific um, 10-foot square would be? Because, I mean, there's got to be something real, real special about it for you to want to stick around. For me, it's definitely the bathroom. I was about to say, yeah, for Griff, definitely the bathroom. <laughs> um, good question. Um, I think I'm going to go cold-blooded lizard folk. Uh, because my blood would turn sluggish without sufficient heat, and I do like being warm. Uh, but I also like seeking warmth and shelter. Oh, are we so, talking about the curses now? Yeah, I thought that was a uh, mysteries, yeah, yeah. but yeah, oh, it's like, mysteries. And yeah. I feel like you're just taking that so you can court snake girls easier. Yeah. What might make you think that? I don't know. I definitely go <laughs> haunted, just because I think I think haunted would be interesting in real life. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I wouldn't have to like every house I live in would be a haunted you house. You like that paranormal shit? Yeah, it'd be it'd just be interesting. I don't, I don't get that. Like I could be I could be a star on Ghost Hunters because I you know yeah that'd be pretty cool. There's this one hilarious Oracle curse that I can't think of, but you take it and hazards terrain hazards manifest around you within 300 feet i built a really shitty oracle character that like i remember this shit i built it to try to be the worst character i could bring to a campaign to like hurt my like passively hurt my companions the most that would be an interesting one to take it's like oh you can't get to work because there is now a bog of acid on the highway that you have to just because i'm in the car with you driving i can only honk so hard (laughs) Do you guys want another question? Absolutely. I have one more serious one. I also have a fun one if we want to save it till the end. Um, Yeah, let's do the serious, then let's do the fun. And we're probably at about time. We're getting close. Okay. Yeah. So uh, from Demuth, we have to build upon this question, Bestow Curse is an AP that is mostly situated in a single location. Coming from an AP where you travel all the time, what are you looking forward to that suddenly becomes possible? I have an immediate answer. Without spoiling anything about my character, I have uh, I have family in town, and I think a lot of uh, characters or character concepts, even some of mine, suffer from the fact that like it's a little cliche for your adventuring party person to like have lost all their family tragically, and now they're just like roaming wherever, picking up jobs, doing adventures. Um, so I have like a very real tie that I plan and. and 
you know, Chris the GM, he could change this at any time if he wants to. But I plan to keep revisiting through all six books if my character makes it through. And I want the family that I have in town to be a constant and like a relationship that I'm working on and building and changing as things happen. Um, I have somewhere to go to at the end of the day instead of like sleeping in an inn or like sleeping in a stable or something like having an actual home and people to come back to because that's what real people have yeah for me you know coming from not the an ap that travels all the time but from n- not playing a site-based IP, ap um I, in, in that same sort of vein um the dynamic relationship that you create with, uh, for a better word, NPCs in the city. Yeah. Um, obviously, that those relationships that you build on are going to change. They're going to grow over time. How that happens is going to be interesting. Um, another thing is just the state of the city itself. I imagine that during, in the, in the scope of this AP, the city's not going to be this static thing. Things are going to change and happen within it. And being so, you know, at least by getting to learn the setting, being so invested within the city, those changes are really going to hit home, I feel like. Yeah. I know nothing about the Curse of Crimson Throne with respect to Corvosa, so um, coming in blind, I'm really interested to, interested in initially, A, getting to know the place, and then, B, seeing how it changes over the course of the campaign. Right, I, and I, I, to touch on the NPC thing, I think that's super important because in the traveling APs, like the quote-unquote, you're moving from place to place, kind of like uh, Gearing Crown, uh, you get a situation where like, if an NPC gets killed off, It'll be like, okay, well, that's a plot point to move it forward in book three or book four. But that NPC in a single location-based uh, story or campaign has probably known the party the entire time. So it's someone that we've like grown with and spent like a year or two with as opposed to like a couple episodes, like a couple weeks. So like those, I feel like those types of moments, like the game-changing NPC moments that happen are going to hit a lot harder and be a lot more emotional. How about the man with the uh, the most material absorbed in this uh, of this thing? I worry that I'm going to lose my ability to joke with my NPCs. Mm. Oh, but I, that's uh, actually I think I feel like that's actually like kind of a legitimate concern to bring up for you. Like, yeah, because you do like to do that a little bit. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not the kind of person that is afraid to introduce a joke NPC and allow them to be a part of the story for six books. I don't really care about that, but interactions like we've, we've recently had in, uh, ill marsh, I feel like are going to be a little fewer and further between, which is good and bad. I'm really excited to invest a lot in the NPCs. I, I feel like in carrying crown specifically, I've, tried to make NPCs that you guys attach to and in several um, in several circumstance like that has failed you guys never attach to them but I feel like when they're always a part of of the story and when they've interwoven into some of your backstories and that kind of thing they're going to be that much more important mm-hmm. and I think an NPC that's that caliber of important lets me get away from the classic GM trope of like, oh, you have parents? I'm going to kill one of them, and that's going to be the stakes, and that kind of shit. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to clo- kill your close family ties. Like, in a in a site-based AP, you get... Everyone's important. Everyone becomes more important. And whether the players like or dislike an NPC, 
that NPC is still around. And I think I think what I'm most excited for is having them develop in the background. Yeah. Like having things change in the background that you don't see. I love it. All right, Haley, bring us home. What's our last question for the night? I just want to answer really quick the last one, and then I'll give you the last question. Yeah. I know I'm not a guest, but I really look forward to not being the chosen one, but making my choice to save, like, the city I'm in, for example. So instead of, it feels different because I'm not being chosen and told or, you know... You're one of the few people at the funeral that we need you to go on an adventure, right? Like, it's not that I have, like, my character will have to make a choice to uh, have stakes in the game. Like, I like the idea of not it being less thrust upon and more, more meaningful to my character to even do what they're doing. So, anyway, makes sense. There's a perception of more agency. Yeah. Because you could just go back to your day job. Right. I'm not the chosen one. I'm making my choice. So, That's cool. And I, I really like that. All right. So now I'll give you with the last question here. This is from Bipolar Popstart again. Uh-oh. Since Bud Heavy is now your new favorite macro, what kind of character would you assign to it and why? Phenomenal question. What kind of character would be Bud Heavy? Mm-hmm. Like if I had to... Like class and race is how he cla- he like further. Yeah, like this is Bud Heavy. Uh, I guess like in ASMR, mm. beautiful. I think yeah. Bud Heavy is a <laughs> human fighter. You know, it's developed. It's everyone's used to it. It it gets the job done. It takes you home. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a dwarven ranger. Okay, why? It's it's stout. It's robust. Yep. It um, it it maybe has more ingredients than some of the other macros we tried. Mm-hmm. It puts hair on your chest. Yep. Does it? And uh, yeah, I feel like it has an animal companion. I don't know why. It just it it's singing those vibes to me. Mm. It has an animal companion, and yeah. its animal companion is Bud Light. <laughs> Less wow. effective. I, great, yeah, great analysis. Yeah, I'll say um, it's some sort of cavalier. Um, the Bud Heavy clearly is riding in on the war horses that you see in the the Bud Heavy Super Bowl commercials. Um, that's pretty Clydesdale. cool. The Clydesdales, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, Asmar just because it's the best beer ever, and uh, you know, just everyone. Thinks it's beautiful. I think. I don't know. I think Bud Heavy is like the barbarian to the Bud Light Knight. Mm. Like you have the Bud Light Knight, and then you have Bud Heavy, and he comes in in this wicked, like red spiked arm. Oh man, I don't know if I agree of, with that. Instead of the instead of the fucking Bud Light Knight with his like sword and shield, like but the Bud the Bud Heavy barbarian has like has the fucking maul or whatever, I, and he just I, like he crushes the Bud Light Knight like a empty can. Okay, I think I, th- I think uh, I think a barbarian is like a natty daddy or like a Labatt's ice, just something trying to get you as fucked up as fast as possible. So we're changing my character's name, though, is what I'm hearing, right? It's yeah. Bud Longshadow now. <laughs> Bud Heavy. <laughs> Bud Longshadow, Heavy Lives. Heavy Lives. <laughs> All right. Well, I think on that note, we're about to wrap this episode up, but we are going to head into the after party, so everybody that's watching us live, stick around in this channel because... Well, no, hop into... 
Hop into the Drunken Discordly channel. Right, yeah, hop into the Drunken Discordly <laughs> channel. That makes more sense. Um, we got a couple of these beers to, to, to polish off. We want to hang out with all of yeah. you. Don't forget to catch us on Super Smash Finder this upcoming Wednesday, which this will be too late by the time you hear it on the regular feed, but for the folks listening right now, um, we got Bestow Curse coming up. We've got uh, no response from DeepMark coming up. I'm so excited for everything that's going on to the network. Once again, Chris, thank you for joining us today. I'm very hyped that your character was the first one introduced and that you're joining the network as like a full goddamn partner. Yep. Full unpaid partner, part of the network. You it's didn't see him, good. but he did do the air quotes for mm. the paid part. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, technically, we pay him in, in meals most of the time. That's true. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, I think uh, you boys survived your will saves. Griffin, take us home. Well, uh, before I take us home, I do want to say if you're listening and you're not listening live, um, you can hear the excitement that we've got going on for Bestow Curse. Uh, I, I'll just plug it again. We're getting really close to that $1,000 goal. So if you're not a patron, consider it. We have a lot of good content out and a lot of good content coming. But without further ado, I need you guys to finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later. Or in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs>